1: I heard the news on Thursday morning at 3 a.m.
2: Reporter Sean Lee was in Wuhan last week, the city at the center of China's deadly coronavirus outbreak, when she got a call from her editor.
1: I was actually asleep. And he said, hey, we've heard this news that the city was going to be on, put on lockdown at 10 a.m.
2: As of 10 o'clock that morning, there would be no trains out of Wuhan and virtually no planes. The subways would stop running. So would local buses and ferries.
1: And my first initial thought was, that can't be right. There's no way that that would happen. This is a city of 11 million people. You cannot do that. But then once I realized that it was actually coming from official sources, that's when I basically just jumped out of bed, threw some things in a backpack, and headed over to the train station nearest me. China was about to do the unthinkable. Quarantine a population
3: larger than New York City. Today on the show, the virus that has the world on high alert and the unprecedented steps China is taking to stop it. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business and power. I'm Kate Linebaugh.
2: And I'm Ryan Knutson. It's Tuesday, January 28th. Sean is normally based in Beijing, but she actually volunteered for the Wuhan assignment.
1: Because I've been interested in infectious diseases for a while.
2: That's that's an interesting interest. What is it about infectious diseases that interests you?
1: Well, it's just something that, you know, you can't see, but it really can rapidly change people's behavior and also how they relate to each other. Strangers, friends, family members. I really just wanted to see it.
2: So last week, she stocked up on face masks and booked a flight to Wuhan.
1: So I flew there on Wednesday morning into Wuhan. And Wuhan is a city located in central China. Some people call it the Chicago of China because it's a major domestic transportation hub. There's a lot of railways, highways. And on the ground, it looks like a lot of... Chinese second-tier cities. They all they all look pretty similar. They all look like they came out of the same sort of Lego box. But on the street
2: level, Sean says Wuhan felt really different.
1: It was really eerily quiet. There were very few people on the streets. There weren't that many cars. Part of the reason is because of Chinese New Year.
2: Chinese New Year is the big holiday in China. Millions of people travel home to see their families. By the time Sean got to Wuhan, the city had already started emptying out for the holiday. But that wasn't the only reason the streets were so quiet.
1: In talking to residents, a lot of people were staying inside and afraid of coming out, afraid of being infected, afraid of going to public spaces, and they were just avoiding going out in public.
2: The virus that had this giant city on alert has a pretty regal name. The virus is what's known as a coronavirus.
3: Coronaviruses have that name because when you look at them under a microscope, they have these little spikes on their outer surface. And the scientists rather fancifully decided it looks like a crown.
2: So Mm. coronavirus. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is our health and science editor. And while Sean was on the ground in Wuhan, Stephanie was keeping tabs on the virus from New York. Coronaviruses mostly infect animals like bats, but
3: they can transmit from animals to humans, and they can mutate to become transmissible between
2: humans as well. So this is a coronavirus that science hasn't seen before.
3: This is a new one. This is one that has not been seen in humans before. And in fact, they call it 2019 NCOV, which basically just means new coronavirus discovered
2: in 2019. That strikes me as surprisingly uncreative.
3: I don't think creativity usually is a priority for public health officials. We can just call it the Wuhan virus. I think I think that name might end up sticking.
2: Many of the first people to get sick in Wuhan either worked at or visited a live animal market there. Part of the market sells exotic animals for meat, stuff like baby crocodiles and bamboo rats. There's evidence that the outbreak could have started there, though scientists aren't entirely sure yet. As the virus spread from animals to humans and then from humans to humans, it began causing pneumonia-like symptoms, which can be fatal. And this was a story that China had seen before. It happened almost two decades ago with another coronavirus called SARS. Just like with the Wuhan virus, it really took off during the Lunar New Year. As millions crisscrossed the country on planes and trains, SARS spread to Hong Kong, then to Vietnam, Taiwan, and Canada. But the Chinese government refused to acknowledge that it had a crisis on its hands. It hid SARS cases from World Health Organization investigators, going so far as to put patients up in hotels or drive them around in ambulances so that WHO inspectors wouldn't see them. China's efforts to downplay the outbreak continued for months, until the spring of 2003. In April,
3: they acted much more aggressively to shut down the May Day celebrations, to to try to contain travel, realizing that travel had been a problem in the past. But it took a long time.
2: How did people evaluate China's performance there on containing the SARS epidemic? Well, it was widely considered to have been inadequate. And
3: the government was forced to admit that, in fact, they could have done better. They could have been more transparent.
2: By the time SARS was contained, it had killed almost 800 people and infected over 8,000. So far, the Wuhan virus seems to be less lethal than SARS. But China arguably has more to lose. Well, China has
3: made it a priority to become a global player. Scientifically, they've invested very heavily in improving their public health systems. And if they can't contain this, that suggests that they're not there yet. They're not really ready to be a member of the international community, the standing of a country that's able to stand alone. It could damage their reputation, and it could affect international
2: travel and commerce as well. In fact, it already has— Yesterday, the Dow fell more than 450 points, its biggest drop since October, on fears the outbreak was getting worse. But even after the hard lessons of SARS, Sean says when this outbreak started, local officials seemed poised to make the same mistakes all over again.
1: For weeks, they were minimizing, saying, you know, it's it's really not that bad, and in early January, the Wuhan authorities actually ended up holding eight people for allegedly spreading false information about the virus.
2: What kind of false information?
1: It appeared that it was just information that the outbreak was happening, but they didn't give any evidence that they were you know, purposely spreading false information. So it seemed like that they were more kind of aggressively containing what they would view as negative information coming out than anything else.
2: At a meeting of local officials around this time, the coronavirus wasn't even on the agenda.
1: There's a concern that basically local government officials took a wait-and-see approach, like don't do anything until they get a directive from on high.
2: And then last Monday, they got that directive.
1: Chinese President Xi Jinping said for all those provincial governments, you have to be very proactive about disclosing cases. You shouldn't be hiding anything. After that, we started seeing all of these new reports, hundreds of new confirmed cases coming out from all over the country.
2: When Sean landed in Wuhan last Wednesday, there were about 375 cases of coronavirus in the city and the surrounding province. By the end of the weekend, that number had climbed to more than 1,400. And what was the mood like in the city as people were seeing the number of cases go up like this?
1: I think what was most marked about my time there was that it was kind of until... The lockdown was announced. It was fairly quiet. So I went to two of the hospitals treating patients. It was just relatives essentially waiting outside, waiting for news of their loved ones inside, you know, whether they were tested positive for the virus or not, and basically passing along food and supplies. It was somber, but it wasn't really hectic.
2: Sorry, passing in food?
1: Yeah, so in China... Patients mostly rely on their relatives for food and everyday essentials like towels, for example. And it was just streams of people bringing in bags of soup and fruit and vitamins and towels in plastic bags and each labeled with their family members' names on each bag. And then some actually written in red lipstick because I think they didn't realize that they had to label it. This made me think that I needed to figure out who would come and feed me if I ever had to stay in a hospital in China.
2: That was the scene in Wuhan last Wednesday night. The city was somber and calm and increasingly empty. And then came that 3 a.m. call from Sean's editor. She would wake up to a whole new city. That's coming up. Welcome back. Sean's editor told her that China was about to lock down Wuhan. Millions of people would wake up to a city that they couldn't leave. By 6 a.m., Sean was at the train station to take in the scene as Wuhan woke up.
1: So it was around, I would say, 8 a.m. and 9 a.m., a couple of hours before the lockdown started at 10 a.m., when things started getting really more chaotic, long lines formed of people trying to buy tickets or exchange tickets. People were finding out that all the tickets were sold out and that they couldn't get out. And when I left the ticket selling area, I saw that there were on one side about a dozen Black police fans and standing in front of them were dozens of Black-garbed police officers, all wearing face masks, just waiting, I think, for the lockdown to start because they were clearly probably expecting that something, you know, people were going to be upset. How were
2: people reacting to not being able to get a ticket or being turned away?
1: They were, uh, they were screaming. Uh, some people were screaming. I talked to this one young woman who was 20 years old who was sitting on the side of the ticket counter, and she just looked kind of in shock. So I asked her what was happening, and she said she had a noon ticket back to her hometown. And a friend had woken her up at 7 a.m. that morning and said, have you heard of this lockdown? And so she basically just chucked some clothes into a paper shopping bag, jumped on the subway, and when she got to the station, she realized there were no tickets left. So she was just sitting there. When I, when I talked to her, I said, you know, what what are you going to do? And she just said, I'm just going to sit here for a while because I don't know what else to do. And then you could see, actually, the fortunate ones who could exchange their tickets. They just went from the ticket counter and they just sprinting to the entrance of the of the train station to get on one of the, you know, the last trains out of Wuhan. They were just like, just running full bore down, the, down to the station.
2: Sean wasn't expecting to join those people sprinting for their trains out of Wuhan. She was planning to stay in the city and keep reporting.
1: I got to the train station and I figured just as a backup plan... I should buy a ticket. So I got a ticket for a train leaving to Beijing at 9.21 a.m. But until, I'd say, a couple of hours before the train left, I really thought I was going to stay.
2: So then what changed? Why did you decide to leave?
1: I just didn't have enough protective gear. When I figured out how many face masks I had, which was uh, two, I decided it probably wasn't a good idea.
2: Sean caught the last train to Beijing just 40 minutes before Wuhan closed. And what was the mood like on that train?
1: I think people were relieved. Most people were quiet. And I heard one girl actually say, kind of over and over again, because she was seemed like she was kind of in shock that there's a Chinese phrase to it, but essentially means that she got out right in the nick of time.
2: What is the expression?
1: Uh, um, something like that. It means literally kind of like I entered with one foot and the door closed behind the other foot.
2: After Sean left Wuhan, the situation in the city got worse. Wuhan's hospitals were overwhelmed. Last weekend, the U.S. government announced it would be evacuating its diplomats from the city by plane. Meanwhile, at our last count, Chinese officials had locked down 15 cities and towns, covering about 41 million people, more than the population of California. It's the biggest quarantine of its kind in history. Stephanie, you said earlier that containing the virus will be a test case for whether China can stand on its own. Do you think China is passing that test? Well, I'd suppose... You could say it's a bit of a
3: mixed bag. Arguably, they have moved faster than they did in the past. From the time that the virus emerged in Wuhan, Chinese officials have discovered what kind of virus it is, and they have received a lot of credit for sequencing the genome of the virus and allowing that to be shared publicly so that companies can start working on a vaccine, for instance. On the other hand, we've seen overcrowding at hospitals. They are struggling with the volumes of people that are coming in. Hospitals have been issuing public pleas for supplies. They are running out of suits that the first responder healthcare people have to wear to protect themselves. And they're not able to test everybody in a timely fashion. And there are still lingering concerns that the government is not as forthcoming as it could be and that there are things that they're just not being told.
2: And then... What are your thoughts on this massive quarantine? Do you think that that is going to work? Are there signs so far that it is working?
3: Well, quarantine is a valid epidemiological approach to try to contain an infection. If you have an outbreak of measles in the U.S., you will ask the people who have an infection to quarantine themselves and the people that they know, and that can be effective. Quarantining whole cities can have a downside, though. Uh, If you think about what you would do if somebody told you that your city was shutting down, you'd probably want to leave, and that's
2: what a lot of people did. In a press conference on Sunday, Wuhan's mayor said that 5 million people had left the city, some to go home for the Lunar New Year, and others to flee the virus. And what we don't know is how many of them
3: might have carried the virus out of the city in that mass exodus, and we'll have to wait
2: and see. What are the things that you're going to be watching for to gauge whether or not China's response is working?
3: Well you look to see if the rate of spread slows and the numbers start to finally tick down. I mean every outbreak has its epidemiological curve. There's a peak at some point and even seasonal flu will get worse before it gets better. You know we may not have seen the peak of this yet.
2: Where we are now with the Wuhan virus, how does it compare to other viruses? of the past, like SARS, in terms of the amount of damage that it's caused? Well,
3: so far, it seems to be less severe than SARS. SARS had a higher death rate. It killed about 10% of the people that it infected. Wow. This virus, based on the few numbers that we have so far, looks like it's about
2: 3%. What is the potential ceiling for the amount of harm that this Wuhan virus might be able to do. And, and that's the $64,000 question. We
3: just don't know. It is so new. It's not clear if it's going to follow, you know, a traditional seasonal arc and peak and then decline. It's it, We just don't know how bad it could get. In the U.S., officials here are telling people that we don't have any particular reason to be worried. There are a handful of cases in the U.S., But if it gets much, much worse and it starts to spread person to person in other parts of the world, then it could be very concerning for business, for commerce
2: internationally,
3: for travel and tourism, and of course, for public health.
2: As of this afternoon, there are more than 4,500 confirmed cases of coronavirus. 106 people have died. This week, Sean and a colleague tried to go back to Wuhan to do more reporting. But before they made it there, they were caught in a quarantine in another city. They've been asked not to leave their hotel for 14 days. That's all for today, Tuesday, January 28th.
3: The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall
2: Street Journal. If you like the show, follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're out every weekday afternoon.
3: Thanks for listening.
2: See you tomorrow.